Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello, greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you are addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher, and I'm a Dynasty Freak. That means I love drafting and trading and scouting and managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So to you, so let's talk some Dynasty on episode number 238. Similar to what we did last week. Last week I talked about running back battles that I'm going to be watching more closely uh, during the um, training camp and during the preseason games. And I'm going to do the little switcheroo here and now talk about the wide receivers, the different wide receiver rooms that look a little bit crowded and what I'll be paying attention to during training camp reports as well as during preseason games. Forewarning, I'm going to take a week off next week, have a busy weekend, and my birthday, turning 50, so I'll be out uh, next week when I normally work on the, these projects over the uh, over the weekends. My weekend will be booked next weekend, so uh, give me a break, and then I'll come back, and when I come back two weeks from now, it will be the start of training camp, so that's going to be fun. We'll start getting real reports, and that's where the podcast will turn That at that point, talking about the rumors and that the stuff that we hear in training camp, whether it's believable or not. So it's going to be fun, but one thing I thought I'd do here, uh, like I said last last week, talked about 10 running back battles that I was going to pay close attention to during training camp. This week, I'm going to talk about 10 wide receiver battles. Uh, some of these have, you know, an a one alpha wide receiver on their team, and so I'm really going to be listening and watching to see which receivers maybe merge as the wide receiver two or wide receiver three. This is starting to be a tradition here. Russell Wilson, my dog, just walked into our room. Russell, I'm recording, buddy. Give me a break. So some cases, you know, I already know who the wide receiver one's going to be, and I'm really just going to be paying attention to the wide receiver two or three on those teams. But in other cases, there's some wide receiver rooms that make it completely unclear uh, which player could even emerge as the wide receiver one. And so that's going to be fun um, to think about and watch during training camp, trying to figure it out. So like I did last week, I'm going to declare which players I think are going to win these battles. And in a few cases, though, I'm probably just going to admit that I don't have any idea how things are going to unfold. So I'll be honest if I feel like I don't know. But if I feel like I have a leaning, I'll let you know. So that being said, here are the 10 wide receiver battles that I'll be following closely during training camp. First is the Giants. Uh, the Giants have the most undetermined wide receiver depth chart in the league, arguably. Maybe with besides Carolina. They'll come up later. Uh, they've got multiple players on one-year contracts, too, who, who really hope to prove that they're you know worthy of a longer-term contract. Uh, they re-signed their own players in Isaiah Hodgins, one-year contract, and Darius Slayton. They signed him to a two-year contract, though it's pretty voidable after one year. Uh, they have an easy out you know, after that one year, though. Then they added Paris Campbell to a one-year deal during free agency. They retained Sterling Shepard, who you know was in, in the last year of his contract, was surprised that they did that. And then they drafted Jalen Hyatt in the third round after dra- drafting Wandale Robinson last year in the second round. So pretty wild. I think that there's a lot of talent in this room but not really a clear wide receiver one, especially since you know, they also added Darren Waller and Saquon Barkley, and they're going to be very involved in the passing game. Sterling Shepard, uh, he's the, my, you know, the group's most proven and most talented receiver, I think, but he's the oldest also, and he always gets injured. And then there's Wendell Robinson, who never really had a chance to prove himself after battling injuries next season, so he's a big unknown. And if Campbell, I feel like it's going to come between Robinson and Campbell, are going to have a fight for the slot role. And Slayton and Hodgins, I think they have the first chance to be the wideouts uh, on the outside. Slayton and Hodgins, um, I think, get that first chance, like I said. However, uh, you know, Slayton is the best deep threat, 
And that's actually what Hyatt does best. So he could easily, if he learns the offense quick, quickly, he could take over the Slayton role. All that to say that I think the most secure role in this offense is Higgins. Uh, he's their best big-bodied possession and red zone receiver, and he's the one that I think that they're going to you know, really have a solidified role for. From a dynasty perspective, Robinson and Hyatt and Campbell, uh, they're the ones whose value could really increase if they were to emerge as the starter. I think uh, Hodgins, you know, if he establishes this role like I think he will, I think his value will go up, but not near to the degree that you know Robinson, Hyatt, or Campbell could if they were to do something just right. That's the Giants. What I think is going to happen there. Next un- unclear uh, wide receiver group is the Packers. The Packers are loaded, and they're loaded with crazy. It's they're loaded with first and second year receivers and tight ends for that matter. I believe that the top three receivers and are already set. That it's going to be Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, and Jaden Reed, a new rookie that they added. The question is, which one of them will become the top target for the Packers? New quarterback, Jordan Love. I think in OTAs, uh, Dobbs was the one that was reported as being his most targeted receiver. And definitely Dobbs outplayed Watson early in the season last year, while later in the season it was Watson that outplayed Dobbs. However, during the stretches where they were fantasy productive, uh, each of them capitalized on the other one being injured. So it's really kind of undetermined to see who's going to become the wide receiver one when they're both healthy. Uh, Watson is the Packers' best big play guy, big threat downfield, and I think also really involved in the screen game, wide receiver screen game. But I think Dobbs could be the better possession receiver overall. Uh, Jaden Reed, I think he's going to start right away in three receiver sets and challenge, um, you know, these second-year guys for touches as well. So those are the three that I'm primarily keeping an eye on. I think they're going to have every chance to compete with each other to try to become the number one target. If I was to guess, and I am going to guess, I think Watson is going to have the most fantasy points just because I think he's going to score the most touchdowns. But I would think that Dobbs is actually going to become the possession receiver and he's going to have more catches on the season. So those are the two that I'm betting on. I've got some fair share of Reed in my drafts, too. I'd love to see what he does as well. Next is the Panthers. Want to watch the Panthers? So, like I said earlier, if not for the Giants, I think the Panthers have the most difficult wide receiver room to predict. Uh, Their new head coach, Frank Wright, he brought in two veterans, Adam Thielen and DJ Chark. (laughs) He brought them in to compete with the two players that were highly drafted, but so far have been unproductive young players, Terrace Marshall and then LaVisca Chenault, who was added to their team last year. Additionally, they added Jonathan Mingo in the second round of the draft. Bryce Young, the first pick of the draft, gets to distribute the ball to this kind of mashed-together group of pass catchers to see what's going to happen. As for Carolina, um, I'm not really going to make a prediction on this one. This one just seems like I'm just going to humbly admit that I have no idea who's going to emerge as the top pass catcher in this offense, so it's definitely one I'm going to watch during training camp. I do think that Reich wants to allow Thielen and Chark to lead the way as veterans, but he really, at the same time, he has to try to develop the young receivers along uh, as well. Uh, and he was the one, the only one you could say that he drafted would be Mingo. So he has an eye for Mingo if he drafted him as early as he did. I think Chark, you know, still has some thread, uh, tread on his tire, uh, but Thielen's tread is nearly out, if not almost gone. Uh, Chenault seems to me stuck as in a gadget role and just kind of maybe behind Thielen that those two guys might occupy the, the slot. Terrace Marshall, Jonathan Mingo, they really have the best chance to improve their dynasty value if they can develop into starters and earn targets from their new franchise quarterback. I think this training cap battle battle's going to be the most intriguing. And I'll, uh, I'll see, you know, see what happens. I particularly want to see how they play with Bryce Young as he makes his way to the NFL for the first time. Another tradition. Now Russell is leaving the room. This makes no sense. All right, we've got uh, the Cardinals next. The Cardinals are the odds-on favorite to, you know, have the first pick of the NFL draft next year. 
which means, of course, their offense could be terrible. <laughs> they have every reason to play all their younger uh, receivers as a result, too. Marquise Brown, I think he's their clear wide receiver one, but beyond that, anything could happen. Rondell Moore has never been able to, you know, have sustained fantasy impact since he's got drafted in the second round two years ago. Greg Dorch has actually had better fantasy stretches when he joined the team uh, as a free agent than Michael Wilson, uh, the one the Cardinals surprisingly drafted in the third round way earlier than anyone thought. Uh, he has an open door to playing time too, um, but he's definitely unproven, and he has been injured so much during college, so who knows if he can stay healthy. Actually, when I was doing some research into this, I realized that Dorch is available on the waiver wire in many of my leagues right now, and so I'm going to plan to make some bids on him as kind of a back-of-the-roster guy, watch during training camp to see if he emerges, because I predict right now that he would be one of the starters in, in three receiver sets, if not even two receiver sets, opposite uh, Marquise Brown. Um, he had the you know second most productive, uh, uh, that's what's crazy about Dorch, he has the second most productive NFL season among all the receivers on their team. Of course, Marquise Brown first, but Dorch is second, even ahead of Rondell Moore, and obviously ahead of Michael Wilson and all the other scrubs that they have on their team. As much as I love Rondell Moore in his rookie class when he came out, I kind of feel like the verdict's out on him. Uh, if he gets some training camp hype, he's going to be a player that I'd like to try to sell. And if Wilson, you know, gets some you know training camp hype, uh, I think he's going to be a little bit too hard to buy because someone's going to think that they really got a bargain on him when they drafted him in the rookie drafts. Oh, I don't know. We know that the Cardinals, too, accumulated a lot of 2024 draft picks, and so it could be that the wide receivers on this team get replaced immediately by wide receivers next year in the draft, let alone the fact that they might be able to pair these wide receivers with uh, Caleb Williams, who would be coming in as the number one pick, assuming that they are the worst team in the league. Too hard to trust any of these Cardinals right now, for sure. Next would be the Rams. So we all know, of course, that Cooper Cup, he's a wide receiver one. You could practically argue he's their wide receiver one and wide receiver two <laughs> with the amount of targets that he gets. Uh, but we really want to know, is there anyone else that can emerge from the Rams group of pass catchers that could be a reliable number two that's not named Tyler Higby? Because my bet is that Higby is going to be the top second leading target of Matt Stafford this next year, which is going to kind of pump his dynasty value up considerably. But I'm talking tight ends. I want to go back to talking receivers. I'm most curious really to see if Van Jefferson or Puka Nakua can emerge as a playmaker in the Rams offense. Jefferson's draft capital you know, gives him the right to win the job. I think you go to Harlad, you'll see that he's in the starting lineup right now. But he's uh, you know, he's not shown that he can do it. He's had three years to try to prove something he's yet to be able to. I really like Nakua. If you follow me, you know he's one of my most drafted players this year. I think his versatile skill set and the OTA buzz that he received got me excited. As for Ben Skoranek, I think he's just used more in a run game as a blocker. And so I doubt that he's going to emerge with any type of you know significant production in the passing game. The Rams are a team that I'm going to watch because I want to see if someone can emerge as the wide receiver too. If not, that would be Higby as the second leading uh, second leading pass catcher there in, the, in this next year for sure. But hopefully one of these two can emerge, Pukunuku or Jefferson, keeping an eye on those guys. Next would be the Patriots. Uh, the Patriot offense can't get any worse than it was last season. I'm sure that new offensive coordinator Bill O'Brien is going to make the team better. The only question is which, if any, player is going to benefit with Hunter Henry and Mike Gusecki at tight end, some of reports and OTAs indicated that Patriots are going to run a lot of 12 personnel, making it a lot tougher for wide receivers to carve out enough you know, target share to become reliable as starters. That's Devontae Parker. He signed his new contract, and then they signed Juju Smith-Schuster um, in free agency. I do predict that those two are going to be the leading receivers on the team, and I think that they're going to do enough to hold off Kendrick Bourne, you know, who's last year got some significant time 
And even I know that uh, Tyquan Thor Thornton is a, one of the players that a lot of people like right now in the dynasty space, but I think the veterans and Parker and Smith-Schuster are going to hold them off, and there's going to be far less three-receiver sets, and so the pie is going to have to be split between Parker and Smith-Schuster. I think they'll probably both have their fair share of productive games, but it's going to be really difficult to predict which one, if any, from week to week, especially if Henry and Gusecki are involved as pass catchers. And so that's the thing I'll be watching the most, trying to hear reports about how much they are going to go to 12 personnel with those two tight ends on, on the field at the same time, or if they're going to open it up. I want to see what the new offense looks like. Confident that it's going to be better than last year, but not confident that it's going to help uh, the wide receivers, particularly maybe the tight ends only. Next would be the Ravens. Uh, the Ravens, they definitely gave Lamar Jackson everything that he could possibly need to improve as a passer under the new offensive coordinator, Todd Munkin. Uh, Sean Bateman, Zay Flowers, and Odell Beckham Jr., they're going to make up the you know, best receiving core that, that Lamar Jackson's ever had altogether. And the oldest among them, OBJ, I think he's going to have limited touches just given his age and his injury history of recent years. But Flowers and Bateman, I think they're going to get to compete for who's going to become the wide receiver one. But we all know the pass catcher number one is going to be Mark Andrews most likely. That said, I'm pretty convinced that this new offensive scheme is not going to, is going to target receivers more than they have in the past. Bateman's, you know, got the most prototypical size. I think he's going to become the wide receiver one. If only he can stay healthy. But I think Flowers is going to be used more as an underneath role, short passing game type of type of guy. I think together, you know, all the pass catchers are going to put, you know, a lot more stresses on defense, giving them all more opportunities to, to get open. So that's going to be fun to watch. My bets are that Bateman is going to have a breakout, just like he did at the start of last year. If he stays healthy, he's going to become their clear wide receiver one. Flowers, though, I think could be a reliable uh, wide receiver two role. Um, and have a fantasy impact even um, even in his rookie season. A couple more here, the Browns. Uh, some questions here about the Browns. Everything the Browns did this offseason indicated that they do plan to become more pass-heavy after Deshaun Watson struggled with the offense last year. They re-signed David Njoku. That's how it started. Then they uh, traded for Elijah Moore. That's how it went. Then they drafted Cedric Tillman. Uh, I think that their three-wide receiver package now is pretty set. It's going to be Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore, and Donovan Peoples-Jones. I think Tillman, you know, is going to take a back seat, you know, for this first season at least as he develops. Maybe as Mari Cooper ages out in 2024 when his contract ends, maybe that's what they have Tillman there for. But we'll see. Moore received all the uh, buzz from the OTAs, and so I'm really hopeful that he's going to live up to it, particularly for how much I valued him in that rookie class. I just really can't believe how he fell out of favor with New York, especially after he had that string of five or six, seven, you know, breakout games in his rookie season. I believe the hype that built on him for OTAs and I think he's going to quickly surpass DPJ, Donovan Peoples-Jones, for targets. But he'll battle on Joku, though, because I think Joku could very possibly become the second most targeted player on the team. <clears throat> after his rusty return to the field, I think Watson's going to improve mentally after fighting a year's worth of rightful criticism. I think he'll make the team better, and uh, that's going to be a real fun one to watch to see who can become the second uh, most targeted player behind Amari Cooper. My bets are on Joku or Elijah Moore. Next would be the Texans. I'm very intrigued by the Houston uh, wide receiver room because C.J. Stroud was my highest-ranked quarterback in this year's rookie, rookie draft. Um, he uh, quickly and radically, I think, is going to change the offense from what they've seen in recent years. And I think that Nico Collins is sure, the surest bet player to benefit, uh, given him the lead role, given that he had the lead role last year. Uh, he's among my favorite players to see you know, his dynasty stock rise significantly this year. Nico Collins is going to definitely be going up. But then it's really after that that I'm a little bit more unsure. The Texans added Robert Woods in free agency. They drafted Tank Dell early in the draft, and then Xavier Hutchinson late in the draft. 
they have last year's second round pick too and John Mitchie who's returning from his cancer treatment to play for the NFL for, for the very first time in his second year. And so I think the battle for the wide receiver targets behind Nico is going to be the one to watch. And I want to see what happens. The thing is, they each have different unique skills. You've got Woods, who I think is probably a past his prime, but I wouldn't put it past him to have a late career surge just because of the way that he wins with his route running. Then there's Dell, which is one of the tiniest receivers to ever play in the NFL, but his college production was just unreal with 17 touchdowns in his final season at Houston, uh, and he had significant draft capital in the third round. Then there's Hutchinson, super productive college career, prototypical size, and he was drafted way later than I expected in the sixth round. I thought he'd be a, a third round pick for sure. As for Mechie, you know, there's not a lot of history, you know, seeing that he hasn't played a game in the pro and he's going through his cancer treatment, but he's the star with the Alabama program who has the highest draft capital of any of the wide receivers on the team. So pretty wild little group of wide receivers to figure out who's going to become number two behind Collins. I'm convinced that Stroud's going to elevate the production and the dynasty value of the pest catchers. I'm just uncertain which one's going to benefit the most. Uh, Mechie makes the most sense to believe in, uh, but I was a lot lower on him in his rookie class than other dynasty managers and analysts. So I need to see it before I believe it on him. And even at his size, I think Dale is the one that I'm most hopeful for, given that he was drafted by this new coaching staff and was drafted higher than was expected. And reportedly, Stroud was a part of the decision to draft him. And so that's going to be someone that I'll keep a real close eye on. I think Woods is going to help him, you know, kind of develop and kind of be mildly productive to start the season. But I think that Dell is going to start to chip into his role and take Dell. It's going to be the one that takes that uh, starting position, as small as he is. Hutchinson and Mechie, I think they're going to battle for the outside role. And Mechie has, definitely has a big leg up given his draft capital. I think his role in future depends on, you know, if he can return to health. Yeah, watching to see this new coaching staff work with all this group of wide receivers is going to be really fun to see how it plays out during training camp and into the preseason. And then finally, the Chiefs. <laughs> As was with the Panthers, I'm going to say so with the Chiefs. I have no idea what to do with this group of receivers. I have little confidence about what to expect. You've got Marquise Valdez-Scantling. He is what he is. We've seen enough of him by now. I don't think he's going to become any better than he was last year and previous years. I don't think he can do more than that. I think the real battle is between the first and second year players, Sky Moore, Kadarius Tony, and Rashi Rice. One that they traded for, two that they drafted. Uh, it's gonna just be where I just throw up my hands and say, I really don't know what's gonna happen here. Additionally, I'm not, I'm not convinced that uh, the five-year veteran, Justin Watson, isn't a better player than all three of those younger guys to start with. So Travis Kelsey, you know, he's the effectively their wide receiver one. He's their number one pass catcher. And the Chiefs use the running backs in the backfield so much they get so involved that it really limits, you know, the scope of wide receivers and their target share. You know, they don't get the type of target share that they need to become an every week starter. So when the Chiefs let uh, Tyree Kill go, then they signed Patrick Mahomes to his new contract. I think they effectively told us, hey, we can win without a true wide receiver one. And of course, they proved that they could. <laughs> so one more of the KC wide receivers are sure to get buzzed during training camp and I would love to sell whichever one starts to get buzzed during the training camp because I don't believe that they're going to have the target share that's needed uh, to really become a super important fantasy piece. And so I'm out on all the Chiefs wide receivers. We'll be curious to see which one steps up and try to sell them as quickly as I could should they uh, step up during OTAs or during preseason. All right, that's a wrap this week. My freaky friends, thanks so much for listening. Make their two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Much better on email than I am on Twitter, so contact me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com, freaks with two E's. 
I'd be honored if you take time to rate and review the podcast. That would mean a lot to me as an independent podcaster. Again, I'll be out next week, but we'll love to join you back once training camp starts. It's going to be fun. Thanks for listening. I appreciate your support. I do want to become your most trusted, independent voice in the Dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.